Good morning, Sunday morning to you too, Bushido. <laughs> hey, y'all. This is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap-up. Today, we're going to be talking about um, a lot of things. We're going to be talking yes. about a lot of things. Uh, I, I, I genuinely don't know where to get into it, but we're going to touch on some stuff relating too to the Too much sheriff. stuff happens. There's just, a lot there's of stuff happened. The, the sheriff and the coroner are apparently going at it. The judges are weighing in on that controversy. Uh, we've got some very interesting stuff going on with CD4. The election results are now more finalized. LA Times is doing some data spread. Uh, LA Times is doing some other bullshit, but we're going to not really touch on too much about that today. We'll save that one for another time. Uh, we've also got um, some absolutely crazy shit going down at DC that we're going to talk about, uh, as well as our usual uh, coronavirus update, because that is the, uh, the times in which we live. And they are bleak times indeed. Uh, and other things. Oh, yeah, we got a little bit of updates to do relating to our friends over at the Los Angeles Tenants Union. Um, but first things first, let me actually just go ahead and plug uh, this tweet here uh, from us, uh, from Knox editorial board. Uh, we, we saw over the weekend, um, just to touch briefly on what the LA times has been up to. They, they decided to run a series of letters that they received from, uh, Trump supporters. And there's no reason for them to have done this, uh, other than they're bad. Uh, so they did this and they got dragged for it mercilessly by the Twitter, uh, the, everyone on the left on Twitter and a bunch of not people that are not on the left on Twitter, uh, and got dragged for it. And it was glorious. Uh, highly recommend everybody check out Scott Frazier's thread on this because he has a lovely synopsis for a dozen or so of these letters and calls it for what it is. It's, it's truly astounding that LA Times did this, but I'd also highly recommend everybody read uh, a, a Red Telephone. This is the most recent piece that we literally just published uh, two hours ago, not even two hours ago, uh, on, on knock.la. Uh, check it out. It's a good read. Um, but moving on, how are things going for you, Bushido? It's going all right. It's been a very long week. We're still not fully certain as to who the president's going to be, but it seems like by all mathematical realities, it's Joe Biden. Um, but we're going to have to wait for that concession speech to officially like wrap this thing up or for the electors to meet on December 14th. Well, but they're not I giving him start... any money for the transition right now, right? So he's well, not getting any security briefings. There's no transitional yeah, staff. There's... There's some letters that have to be sent or signed by the president to allow that to happen, but there are ways for the Senate to do an end run around that. So, like, the executive branch can, like, drag its feet, but there are ways to to get those security briefings happening. And not totally surprisingly, there are some GOP senators out there who understand reason and are like, hey, it's bad for our president-elect to be behind the eight ball when he gets into office. So there, it looks like Trump is going to be, you know, continuing to throw his tantrum, but other people are going to make sure that the transition – continues, but it's still not very clean. It's still yeah. something that we haven't seen before. Like our democracy is famous for peaceful transitions of power. Um, and that's, you know, this is a weird one. And it's like, you know, sitting in the heart of the empire, it's definitely weird to watch the Praetorian Guard, you know, executing the emperor and like auctioning off the the seat of the emperor's or the, the um, you know, throne. Um, we're not quite there yet, but like, we're definitely in uncharted territory. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely weird. Um, but I did want to, I did want to touch back real quick before we get into the news this week on a story that we talked about, uh, last week. So, uh, last week there was a, uh, story that went out that a young man lame, uh, nicknamed Wheezy, real name, uh, Gerald Logan was hit and killed Jordan. by a Trump supporting car. 
Um, uh, wait, what? Gerald Jordan. No, no, it's Logan. Oh, well, a cat with news got it wrong, man. A lot of people got a lot of shit wrong, as I'm going to go into here. Um, (laughs) But uh, Wheezy was supposedly hit and killed by a Trump-supporting car at the intersection of Pico and Idris. Um, Pretty quickly on Saturday evening, social media calls went out from a few different uh, on-the-ground journalists, as well as the Black Unity Group, uh, which was heavily involved with the 24-hour protest at Grand Park. Um, I I saw this story, and I was like, okay, we're going to take their word for it. Well, you know, trust that these people are not lying. We're going to report on this because it sounds tragic. Uh, Dr. Melina Abdullah spoke about it at the uh, Black Lives Matter LA general meeting that's held uh, on Sundays, I believe once a month. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that was like, you know what, this doesn't make any fucking sense. So Monday morning I woke up and I started making some calls and I called the corner to like see, hey, do, you, do y'all have a body? Because there was nothing showing up on their web portal where you should like, if somebody's killed in a traffic collision, or a pedestrian is killed in a hit and run, you would see the report of that body being received by the coroner. Because Mm -hmm. when somebody dies, the state gets very heavily involved. Like, it doesn't matter what the manner of death is, the state will account for everyone's beginning and end of life because the state is inherently uh, saturated with biopower, the power over life and death, and to account for, like, everyone who lives within a state for, you know, various reasons. Anyways, after talking to the coroner, they're like, yeah, we don't have a body for this and we have no report of that. Are you sure this happened? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to make some more calls. So I called LAPD's uh, West Division's uh, traffic detective. And as soon as as this woman got on the phone, she was like, yeah, this is bullshit. It did not happen. None of this is true. I would have been the first person to get this call. We know nothing about it. What became apparent based on uh, first uh, firsthand accounts and some videos of testimony on Citizen was that apparently an unhoused man uh, was hit by a car around that same intersection, uh, refused treatment by medical rescue when they showed up, and was eventually taken to the hospital about a day later to get checked out. And the man that, that was hit uh, is known to uh, people who work in Street Watch. He's been living there with his sister for a very long time. So people knew who this was when the reports began to surface. Gerald Logan was then confirmed uh, to be alive. He uh, was seen in person by Black Unity organizers. Uh, Black Unity then held a Twitch, uh, not a Twitch stream, an Instagram live to explain what was going on, to talk to people about what was going to happen with the money because there was a cash app fundraiser that went live almost immediately backed by the family. The story, as far as I understand it, based on firsthand accounts uh, given by Black Unity as well as other social media chatter, is that Wheezy was he came to California. He's not from California. So he came here to kind of like start his life over again. Mm -hmm. He's apparently a young man who was running from something so dangerous and scary that him and his family decided that the best option was for him to fake his own death and then raise money for him to survive while he's on the lam. I have no information about what it is he's running for. I don't know if it's law enforcement. I don't know if it's just other private citizens. No information there. But for some reason, he thought this was a good way to go about this. And this is problematic, not just because several thousand dollars disappeared into Cash App that may or may not be returned. Like Cash App does not have a refund feature. Once you send money out, it's gone. Like you you cannot tell them to get it back. You cannot tell them to give you it back, which is the same thing for Venmo. Like if you run a business, Venmo tells you don't do that because there is no refund feature. Um, that being said, this comes on the heels of a lot of other questions that have been raised around Black Unity. And I, I don't want to talk about all of them now. But there's been a lot of stuff where what's being said on social media and what the actual reality of the situation is does not line up. 
Um, my takeaway from the live stream uh, was I didn't really buy a lot of it. Like, I don't think Black Unity was in on the scam, but there was a lot of questions as to why they made such quick and hasty calls to social media to raise funds, why they uh, were very quick to attack people who questioned the narrative, um, why they were why they had so many lapses in judgment. Um, so the, the thing I'm going to say is, one, I'm really happy that Weezy's alive. Like, that's really cool. Two, I'm very happy to hear that the, the man who was hit by a car is doing okay, um, but also he should not be living on the streets with his sister. Like, get that man fucking housing. Like, what the hell is wrong with us? Uh, but three, like, maintain a high index of suspicion around this group. Like, that that's, I, I can't put it any other way. Like, yep. there's a lot of questions and not a lot of good answers, and a lot of this doesn't add up. And Black Unity is kind of, like, new to the scene, if you want to support the movement, support Black Lives Matter LA. They have yep. achieved huge electoral victories. They have built a lot of power, a lot of community. Their steady, mature, measured leadership is what we need. So when you're out there, when you're talking to folks, when you're meeting people at actions, be careful. It sucks that we have to have that high index of suspicion with people within our movement. But at the same time, like there's a lot of money that's been extracted from people who support the movement, a lot of it. Where that money is gone, no one knows. What's going to happen to that money? Will it ever be returned? No one knows. Um, it's yeah. it's all just a crappy situation, and I really hope we can get past this. I don't know what the future is for Black Unity. I don't know what they're going to do. It seems like any like any group of people, it can be a bit of a mixed bag, but for right now, just like be careful out there. Um, be careful what certain journalists are saying on the street. You know, Doing this sort of thing does have consequences, and having your credibility uh, be questioned because what you're saying is not truthful is not an attack on your character. It is an attack on you saying not true things. And you don't have the right to go out there and just spew bullshit and always be taken as true. Your actions have consequences. That's a fact of life. Be a fucking adult. Trust but verify if you're going to call yourself a journalist. Um, yep. So hopefully this is the last we ever have to talk about it. I really hope so. But if shit gets more like escalated or if shit goes wacky again, we will definitely be reporting on it. Uh, my apologies to y'all for like kind of trusting a story that was out there. Um, but at the same time, we're all in a weird position where information can be filtered through strange lenses. Things happen very quickly um, and people are dying in this movement. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the context of D.C., but you know, we're we're not here to capitalize on each other. Like we're building a world for for everyone. So just be mindful of that. And uh, thank you all very much for continuing to to tune in and to call us on our bullshit. Like when, when we're wrong, we like being told we're wrong because it, honestly, I'm a I'm a gregarious idiot with a microphone. I would just talk all day and I would just I just love it. So you thank you, you all very much. Both. You and me both. Exactly. But let's uh, let's talk some election results um, outside of the old man competition, which, like I said, is is largely settled at this point. Uh, let's turn to Culver Seems City, to though, real quick. Yeah, sure. let's turn to Culver City real real quick, where uh, we had, you know, ground game. I was part of this IE like I was actually hired to work for ground game out in Culver City. Uh, we whacked up some victories with uh, Measure B, which protected rent control Measure RE, which was a real estate transfer tax on home sales over two million dollars. You know, keep in mind, like. West Side Homes, like medium medium price is $1.6 million. So like even a modest house on the West Side is like super expensive. So a measure RE is made to hit the people who have slightly more money than the average person on the West Side. 
Uh, Yasmin Amani McMorrin is making history as the first black woman on Culver City Council. Uh, yeah. She may have higher aspirations, and she kicks ass. She is an, a very dedicated, dedicated community member as well as an attorney. Uh, the other two uh, people that were on our slate was Freddie Puza and Daryl Mentha. Daryl looks like he has fallen to fifth place at this point and has no chance of, of getting onto council, which sucks because he seems like a very nice guy. Freddie, also a very dedicated community activist, has done a lot of work with people who are unhoused uh, in the city of Los Angeles. He is currently down by uh, 18 votes, I want to say, 28 votes, something like that. Um, something like nail-bitingly close. Um, at one point, he was down by as many as 30 votes. Um, so it looks like he made up some ground. But as we get closer to the certification deadline, it's clear not many more votes are coming in. So it looks like uh, the new Culver City Council members are going to be Yasmin McMorrin, uh, Albert Vera Jr., who is the son of Albert Vera Sr., who is a former city council member in Culver City, and then a man named uh, Goran Erickson, who was also on council before. Um, you know, Goran and Albert both skew a little bit more to the right. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with, like, very progressive ballot measures, winning by pretty decent margins. Uh, but, you know, overall, I think Culver City showed up, and uh, Culver City is going to continue to be a very important place in the city. It's a small city, but it's the heart of a lot of development. The gentrification of Culver City has definitely had impacts on my neighborhood of Palms, where, like, we have a lot of rent-controlled housing. Mm -hmm. So it's it's what happens in tiny cities that aren't L.A., has impacts in greater greater LA. So we want to pay attention to those races. We want to pay attention to what's happening. Uh, let's move on to the the strange tale of Christy Smith versus Mike Garcia, which is giving me whiplash, quite frankly. I, I had to put on a cervical collar just to keep reading these results because it was just Well, so so we we mentioned the the results from this race uh, with a slight we had a, a bit of an, a misunderstanding of what was going on because we neglected the fact that uh, Ventura County is also within that district. So tiny little bit of it, tiny little bit. The, but that tiny little bit of it does sway the vote. So uh, yeah. back when we, right after we finished recording this podcast last week, we were informed that we were wrong, that Christy Smith was not actually winning, uh, that in fact it had gone to Mike Garcia. And then as well, he the was, votes he was ahead at least he was he was ahead yes and then as the votes continue to roll in it turns out Christy Smith is still winning at this point and Bushida what's the final tally uh, as of this recording date oh Just, I don't I don't have she's that up, up I can right? pull it up real quick. Uh, yeah she's uh, she is she's up, up. Um, yeah I can go to the, the Secretary of State's website but it looks like California twenty five flipped from red to blue to red to blue. Uh, fortunately, Mike Garcia was elected in a special election, so he's only been seated for less than a year, still managed to do a lot of Trump bullshit. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Christy Smith is going to Washington. So congratulations, <laughs> Chris. It could have been Cenk. Yeah, it, I mean, it, you know, and a snowball could have a, a very fulfilling future in hell. <laughs> fair point, fair point. Um, yeah, and then the last election in total uh, that came in that was worth noting here is that as somebody who uh, is now using YouTube TV to watch uh, like Dodger games and stuff, because I, I, I decided to do that during quarantine, um, YouTube TV thinks that I live in Orange County. So I saw nothing but ads from House Majority Pack against Michelle Steele. Uh, well, apparently they weren't very effective in garnering support in Orange County for Harley Ruda. Uh, Harley Ruda has been defeated. Michelle Steele has taken a seat that was part of the uh, infamous blue wave of 2018 that flipped so many seats in Orange County. 
Uh, well, one of them at least has flipped back. Uh, actually, note yeah. two have flipped back. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a more prominent one, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that pretty much does it for. Well, I, I, I gotta say, I gotta say on the OC, you know, this is yeah. one of the problems that we had this election, like nationally. And when I say we, I mean Democrats, not necessarily like the royal we. But one of the problems Democrats had was centrists did not hold on to their seats. Progressives like Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, all people who happened to caucus with uh, People's Action, hint, hint, wink, wink, uh, they did really well. Won by like 60, 70, 80 percent. Just blew their opponents out of the water. Harley Ruda, the, the kind of mealy mouth centrists who flipped some of the red seats the last election cycle, did not win. And this is why the Democratic majority in the House has shrunk, is because the Democratic Party threw in with the centrists who were like, oh, I don't like Medicare for all, even though 80% of the American public are in favor of it. Like, if you run against what people want, they're not going to show up and vote for you, yeah. no matter how much money pharma is giving you. It People are not stupid. They know what will work for them and what won't. And it's not a matter of... Republicans showing up in greater numbers, it's a matter of progressives not showing up to vote for you or just skipping voting on that race entirely. So hopefully this is a lesson for the DNC that the progressive younger wing of the party is in fact the future, that absolute dinosaurs like Nancy Pelosi, who have failed to to produce anything useful in the past decade and a half, do not need to be in leadership positions. Like she can retire. She's got $150 million to her name. Just like Go sit in your gigantic walled off house out in Palo Alto and nobody will fuck with you. Everyone will leave you alone. You can be rich and happy in your retirement and somebody useful can fill that seat. Yeah, I would take it a step further. Instead of saying that they do not need to be, it's they cannot be. If the Democrats want to have any chance of actually governing this country in any meaningful way and winning power and controlling the future and saving us from you know a, a planet that is entirely on fire and totally unlivable, they cannot continue to have people like Nancy Pelosi, people like Dianne Feinstein, who are some of the oldest members of Congress representing our state up there as these being being trashed by Fox News as being like the far left wing of the state or of the, of the and party, also which, Jacobin like they, they have it, no friends outside of MSNBC. It blows my mind. It's just like they literally they are not progressives at all. They are centrist at best. I would argue that Dianne Feinstein is basically a Republican at this point. Her and husband's least... a billionaire finance, a billionaire investment banker who sits on the board of CBRE, which is a commercial real estate like entity that basically buys up and gentrifies uh, neighborhoods. So she's a woke just, Republican. It's just well, and like it's it's yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say a woke Republican. She's just a Republican Republican. But Republicans can't get elected in the state of California. So if you you want to yeah. be a Republican in office, you're going to be a Democrat. Just, to say you're a Democrat, and that seems to yeah. do it. So anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, we yeah, one, one thing change. before we... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you, you do it. I was going to say I'm one thing before we, before we move on. Uh, I Going back to your, your YouTube TV thing, I saw something really funny uh, with Amazon where somebody was asking why in Northern Ireland they couldn't watch oh, the, uh, the rugby-like so autumn <laughs> classic. And uh, Amazon got back to it and was like, oh, we only have broadcast rights for the UK. And they were like, Northern Ireland is the UK. And then Amazon responded, we apologize for the troubles. And it's like, whoa, whoa, Amazon, we, we'd settled this. Like, we'd settled this, like, hadn't we? But anyways, I just think the DMCA, the geofencing, all that stuff is dumb as hell. But as we charge further yeah. into, like, an internet-fueled uh, future, uh, it's weird to just see those seams pop up where, like, you can watch rugby over in Scotland, but literally like spitting distance across the Sea of Ireland, uh, you're not allowed to, even though it's still the UK. So 
corporations are stupid, laws are not real, and everybody should be able to watch whatever they sport they want wherever they want to watch it. Uh, especially because especially because it looks like we're going to be going into a lockdown to electric boogaloo. This is gonna this is gonna suck, Chris. Uh, so yeah. I am gonna hand it over to you because this is thank bad. you. Yeah, uh, that is a very rapidly increasing spike here in the graph, as you can see. Um, for a little bit of context, this is we're looking at the California numbers from the LA Times here, um, but from uh, the AFP announced back on Tuesday the tenth, one week after the election, that the U.S. had broken through the shocking uh, threshold of 200,000 daily cases confirmed, new cases of confirmed COVID-19. Uh, their follow-up headline was, quote, U.S. far exceeds its previous daily record of new COVID-19 cases, adding 201,961 cases in 24 hours, according to a Johns Hopkins University tally. The high number, partly due to data delayed over the weekend, took total cases in the U.S. to 10,238,243, with 239,588 deaths, end quote. It's fucking bleak. So as far yeah. as the state of California is concerned, excuse me. <laughs> we are now up to 1,023,981 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California today. Uh, that is a staggering 54,257 new cases since we last recorded a week ago on Sunday. That's, that's had, bigger than the size of Culver City, just, just so everyone has some context. Like when we're talking the Culver City election, the number of people infected in California is about the population of that city. That's yeah. nuts. So as you can see in this uh, tally here, we did crest over 10,000 new cases, uh, I think twice last week. Um, we had 7,966 new confirmed cases yesterday. Uh, we are, the, the death uh, totals are a lagging indicator as we have mentioned so many times on this podcast. Um, we're now up to 18,253 deaths in the state due to the virus, 39 of them came yesterday. I expect that this this downward angle here on the state's death count is not going to stay down for very much longer because, as you can see, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw the spike in new cases. That means there's going to be an upward trend in another couple of weeks here, or over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. So looking at Los Angeles in, in particular, we are following much the same trend as the rest of the state. Uh, we have now hit 336,671 confirmed cases of COVID-19, uh, 3,694 new cases yesterday. That's 16,603 new cases since we last recorded. We are yeah. also now up to a staggering 7,267 deaths in the county due to the virus, 21 of them yesterday. Again, we expect this, this graph to start showing an increase over the next uh, couple of weeks which is yeah. deeply depressing. So uh, one of those indicators that predicts that is the fact that we are seeing a steady decline in the availability of intensive care unit beds. We're down to 658. Again, we were over 1,000 back in the toward the end of October. Uh, and that, is that in, that's in Los Angeles or that's, that's in California? L.A. County. Okay. So uh, we're, we're keeping it local for the truly terrifying stuff. Um, yeah. I, I mean, with with... 3,700 new cases reported just yesterday and, you know, what was it? Thousands of, uh, yeah, I mean, over 
uh, Jesus, uh, between two and 3,000 cases every day, like there's the, those 658 beds are probably going to start to disappear pretty quick. Um, and also those, those beds are competing with people who were sick with not COVID stuff. Like, correct. you know, if and you we're, we're getting get in a car season. accident, yeah, yeah, you get in a car accident, you have cancer, you have something that requires like intensive hospitalization. It's a lot harder, especially when you're talking about very virulent COVID patients in that same hospital environment. And we know that hospitals are a major vector for infection, not just for staff, but for patients. And it's, you know, something you learn as you're working in the medical field or even just being as lucky to be a, a diabetic like I am and spend a lot of time in hospitals is a major source of danger is just infection within the hospital setting because that's yep. where all the sick people are. Yeah. So uh, one good bit of news, I guess, it's really like this is like a silver lining of a very, very dark cloud is the fact that the rest of the state is doing worse than we are. So we've actually finally fallen off of the top 10 list of uh, per capita cases per count by county. So we have been surpassed like North by... Dakota and South Dakota and like all the flyover states are suddenly seeing massive oh, surges like nationally. Yes. It is so fucking bad. It is, but so here, here's what I was going to show you is this, um, you can really see on this, in this graph, this is last week's graph Jesus. from when we recorded last week. Watch the color change here shift in the north and central portion of the state as it just gets, so I'll go back, watch how the, the more rural yeah. counties just get darker. And as they get darker, that has now displaced LA. We are no longer in the top 10 as far as uh, cases per capita. That's uh, so by scary. county in the state, but like, it's bleak, man. It's so bleak. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, and uh, I guess that concludes the uh, super depressing shit for the day. Uh, I guess we should probably start talking about some other uh, fairly depressing shit uh, from today. Yeah. Like, looking, looking back, like we 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 definitely, um, according to the LA Times, we need to spend more time listening to our uh, neighbors and um, probably not so many of our friends, but our neighbors who are uh, virulent Trump supporters, uh, they made sure to dedicate an entire day of the LA Times editorial page to that cause. Um, for the not context- Not something they've ever done for, for the unhoused or undocumented people or like the working poor, like none <laughs> poor of those people, groups yeah. get the no. entire like LA Times editorial section. But a bunch of rich Republicans who voted yes. for a literal fascist, yes. we got to listen to those people. I mean, and I, something like I, I mean, in order to hear from them, Chris, I'd have to like turn on Fox News or MSNBC or open the New York Times or The Economist or, or like open the one LA of a, a Times. dozen other. Yeah, a dozen other outlets <laughs> where they're like constantly, constantly yelling at us. Yes. Um, but for a little bit of context, there was something else that was going on yesterday when the LA Times was running all of this shit. It was the Million MAGA March. And uh, for a little bit of a, not cold open, but kind of a cold open. Just I mean, this is this is what it looked like on the ground. Uh, just, it's weird. It's weird. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, I would ask for context, but I don't think there's any context that can really fix that. <laughs> no, that one, the lady in the camo hat is is just Whoa! a whole mood in and of herself. 
Uh, I almost feel bad for those cops on the line who are clearly exasperated don't, and not having it, but also I don't, don't have a lot of sympathy for them because no. they're cops. But man, the look on that one cop's face where he's like covering his ear, like that dude is not having a good day, earning a shit ton of overtime, but just oh, not sure. having a good day. So break it down for us. What happened out there in D.C.? So, yeah, so uh, the this was billed as, again, the Million MAGA March, which a million people are going to show up in D.C. and, like, you know, show how popular Trump actually is to stop the steal. And they got, like, 5,000 to maybe 15,000 people at any one time. Um, it's, you know, clearly not a million people. Um, that didn't stop the organizers from lying up and down Twitter. People like Laura Ingram, like a literal white supremacist on Fox News, uh, trying to, like, push this bullshit um, with, you know, selectively cropped photos of a crowd and trying to make it look much bigger than it was. But the the thing was, like, a bunch of MAGA folks getting together to, like, be idiots in broad daylight is one thing. It was when the sun went down and the more violent elements um, took over the march. Uh, Proud Boys, white nationalists, they got together at the Washington Monument. They celebrated uh, white people getting together and being white. And then they went out onto the streets of D.C. and started attacking people. Um, a lot of mainstream commenters, uh, including people like Patton Oswalt, were like, don't go out there. Don't fight the Nazis in the street. And it's like, I, no, like, no, they should be confronted, right? Like, this is the L.A. Times thing. Like, you don't, you don't give fascists what they want and expect the Correct. fascists to be okay with that. Read Karl Popper, Open Society and Its Enemies. Just go fucking read it now. You can get a million free PDFs online. It is no longer under copyright. You can read this book. And the basic thesis of the book, is you don't give fascists a seat at the table because they're not there for the dinner conversation. They're there to knife you in the back. They yep. want power, and they will legitimize themselves by exploiting the cracks within a democratic system to obtain that power to destroy democracy. You do not have to treat as valid anyone's ideology that says another human being is not valid. It's not that I, like, I don't like Ben Shapiro because he's short or he's Jewish. I don't like Ben Shapiro because his ideology is evil and says other people are less than. Like, in the world of communism I want to build, Ben Shapiro's not getting the wall. He's getting four walls, a roof, three square meals a day, healthcare and education, because that's how you build a just world. That's the difference between Antifa and the fascists. That's the difference between, like, ground game and the Proud Boys. We're building a world for everyone. The problem is we have people trying to kill us for that, as we will see. Uh, we got a yep. bunch of videos here. Uh, most of these, the first three of these videos are coming from Chuck Modi. He's been doing a lot of really good on-the-ground journalism in D.C. Uh, and up and down the East Coast. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll watch one. We'll chat about it. We'll watch the next. We'll chat about it. But overall, like, this is, it paints a bleak picture of what happened on the streets of D.C. and how D.C. Metro Police are perfectly okay with white nationalists and white supremacists going out and fighting people on the streets of D.C. Your father was arrested 10 minutes ago. Could you tell me what happened? Um, so what happened was there were, he was backing up and there was a, a Trump supporter on the side and they kept talking back to each other. My dad told the Trump supporter to put his mask on. That's why Trump lost. And the Trump supporter said, that's why we didn't vote for a child uh, predator. And then three officers, three white officers came towards, they were walking casually and then they grabbed my father and put him on the ground and locked him up and I asked for their badge number and why is he getting arrested and one officer pushed me and told me to back up and back up and after that they gave me no information and I don't know where he's at. Were there any other witnesses around here? Um, it was like Trump supporters, they were screaming at him, 
they were telling him, they were cursing at him and all of that. And I was, and then they started cursing at me and I met some guy. I don't know where he's what, at now. What kind of curses? You know what I mean? What is, you said they were cursing at them. What were they saying? They were saying like profanity words and they were telling him like, you're getting effing arrested. And he was like, bye, say bye to Biden and all of that. So. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, that's all. Is there any way we can help? Uh, no, I, I think I'm fine. Did you speak to the legal observers? Yes, yes I have. Did you exchange all the information? Yes. Do you have a way Fucking home? heartbreaking. Yes. Okay, Jesus all right, Christ. thank you. That's the that's a look at someone who knows that the system doesn't give two fucks about him. And uh, that that tracks, you know, we've seen in Beverly Hills where the police will go after anti-fascist protesters after people who are not there with the MAGA crowd. They will arrest them. Yep. They will literally yep. watch the MAGA crowd assault people and then escort them to their vehicles for safety. Yep. You know, there's a reason we got some chance about this, folks. There's a reason that we still have these chance. Yep. They uh, have shown, I mean, I remember when I first got involved with activism work uh, and went to a, a protest and heard those chants and it made me a little bit, a little bit like, uh, not sure yeah. if this is like what I'm down with, but then, uh, the, I, I, then I did some, then I did some reading and I did some listening yeah. and now uh, I full throatedly endorse the chants because they are correct. Uh, Jamie and Tony McBride, everybody. Over and over and over again, there are so many examples of why those those things exist. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, to, before we move on to the next video, uh, Sara yeah. Suleiman has a great thread going on today where she's doing a deep dive into the likes of various LAPD accounts. And uh, there's oh, some scary God. shit in there. Really scary shit. So if you want some like yeah. extracurricular reading, check it out. But let's uh, let's move on Always to a firsthand. Yeah. Let's move on to a uh, uh, firsthand account of attempted murder by Proud Boys. And this is yep. like, this should give you pause. My comrade gets stabbed and uh, I kind of like get my comrade out of the way. And all of a sudden there's a knife in me and I look down. There was a knife in you where? Yeah, like right, like center mass. Okay. So it's like a big knife. Cause I look down and I see it sticking out. Yeah. And the Proud Boy or whatever the fuck, the white supremacist looks at me and I'm just like, what the fuck? Rip the knife out, Jesus. get him away from me, Fucking and just start knife. pushing my people back. Like, it was just all You war. pulled the knife out of this? Out of this. Wow. Could and you like, put, use your hands again to show how big the knife was? Like about here, okay. just yank out. And uh, Jesus. I will say that there was uh, two MPD sergeants sitting right behind the chaos in the war when it was going on, um, Sergeant Jackson. And he just sat there and just laughed and was like, you're so big and bad. Y'all are so big and bad. Deal with them. Really? Said so you're also big and bad. Deal with it. Um, did you inform them that you were stabbed in there? Uh, we told them a bunch. Of, uh, a lot of us got stabbed, and Officer Jackson just kind of like chuckled and like just shrugged it off, like it was nothing. Okay, that's okay. insane. And for those who don't know, um, you have been at these protests and have always you always wear the vest. And I believe that was in a response to the rubber bullets that have been fired yeah, throughout the protest. We got a couple death threats and we were like, nah, can't take the chance. And thank God we didn't wow. take the chance. Listen, thank God you're yeah. wearing that. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, this city is no place for white supremacists and racists. Yeah. And uh, all I'm going to tell you is go home. Stop coming out here trying to stab black and brown individuals who just want a better community. Thank you. Holy and so for. Shit. 
for folks who might be uh, listening on the podcast or not exactly sure why he was stabbed and not like eviscerated, he's wearing a stab proof and bulletproof or bullet resistant vest, um, yep. which like, you know, if you've got the funds for it, it might not be a bad investment. But uh, <laughs> this is also something we've seen before where like police are there to ostensibly to maintain order. And there were times like up in Sacramento when some anti-fascists got stabbed by some Trump supporters a couple years ago, the police intervened while people were trying to treat threats to life, like people who'd been stabbed in the abdomen. You can bleed out very quickly from uh, stab wounds to the abdomen and pushed uh, street medics off of people whose lives were in danger. Um, the police aren't there to save your life. They're they're not interested in that. And it's really scary, especially in this situation. You know, we haven't seen this level of violence here in Southern California yet, but it's, you know, these these guys like the Proud Boys, they don't live in the communities they attack. You know, the Jason Kesslers of the world, the uh, um, the the Joey Gibsons of the world, they don't live in Portland where they start trouble. They drive in, they import their trouble. And then the police in those areas protect the the people who are there to do like terrorism, tourism. It's really disturbing. Jesus, terrorism, tourism is such an accurate... Uh, description of that it's fucking depressing um yeah. we've got another couple Last, of videos yeah so uh, this one again also from chuck modi um another first-hand account of stabbing and the way that the cops uh reacted to that uh these videos are just it, it's blowing my mind finding these on the timeline and it's so just heartbreaking that there are people out there that are having to risk their lives just to get their communities to to stay safe from literal white supremacists when you have a president that's constantly stoking that violence, stoking that hate, um, they were coming here to, to hurt people. Um, and, you know, they came armed and ready to do so. Uh, and that's that's the part that actually makes me, you know, makes me mad. Um, I only ever come out, you know, with a camera and a pen, pen, pencil in my ear uh, consistently, you know, because I'm out here, you know, to tell the story of what happens. Um, to stand up for my people, um, to stand up for the city. So it's clear to me um, that in the aftermath, what, like I said, what was so disturbing is that the police protected those who just stabbed people. Um, that's what was most disturbing to me, that when the riot gear came out, when the riot cops came out, they came out to protect the Proud Boys, <laughs> All right? Like, Oh, well, let's make sure that the most hateful group is, is okay. And for a long time, this president and far-right media has been painting people standing up and fighting for justice as hateful people. Um, and I've been trying to let people know that that's not the case, especially not in this city. Um, and this is the result. Jesus. Yep. And it, it's something we see a lot, you know, the, when, when we were out in Seal Beach, when the Nazis had a little rally out there, the police and their horses were facing us. They were not yep. facing the violent white nationalists. And that's, you know, the cops are not going to turn their back on the people they think is a threat. Yep. So uh, last, last video, I mean, it's like. I got, yeah, I got nothing it, to add to this. I mean, yeah. fuck. Yeah, last video, uh, this is what some of the street fights look like. I don't want to do like the whole protest porn thing, but I definitely do want to give you all an idea of what this looked like in action. This is a video from Black House News, um, which uh, works around D.C. filming this kind of stuff as well as uh, community actions. It's like this is an American city. This is the capital of our nation, and this is what it looked like last night. Who the fuck y'all trying to scare, huh? 
supporters they would have already been tear gassed and been you know pushed back with riot shields and horses and fucking arrests you know mrabs like all of these jesus christ well and so earlier in the day trump supporters were on camera like tearing down signs around black lives matter plaza um which is the street in dc close to the white house that's been repainted with a black lives matter mural on the ground the fence there has become kind of a makeshift memorial and gathering point for uh, people who support their community. Trump supporters tore down trans rights signs, Black Lives Matter signs. Some of them were holding a sign so disturbing it it messed with Fox News. There was a sign that uh, somebody uh, like was giving live commentary on, and it said, uh, "Beware, blacks and Indians were coming for you." And like. Jesus. There's not a middle ground here, folks. Now, the the last thing I want to talk about is there's a a woman named uh, Talia Jane. Uh, She gets confused on Twitter for uh, Talia Levin, who's also, if you want to read a good book, Culture Warriors is a good book. But Talia Jane and Talia Levin, two very different women. Talia Jane is an on-the-ground reporter based out of New York. She was on the ground in D.C. last night. There was... Um, a couple of videos that Andy Noah has been sharing of her lighting a cigarette on an American flag, uh, because you know, it's hard to find your lighter when you're wearing like a whole bunch of gear. Um, but she was attacked by a proud boy. And at first it was reported that she was stabbed. Turns out she wasn't stabbed. She was simply punched in the ear, but a completely unprovoked attack. And one in which she was there as a member of the press. So, uh, let's go ahead and run that first video. Uh, Ooh, I don't actually Uh, have that one pulled up. Oh, okay. Uh, so the Talia Jane uh, attack one is what I uh, labeled it as. Yeah, let me see if I can pull that up really quick. Yeah. Uh, that one didn't actually come through. Oh, okay. The There should be the other one, the Madison Muller. Um, that one's fine. And this one's Talia Jane talking about oh, what yeah, happened yeah. to her. Yeah. Give me one moment. No worries. We're doing it live, folks. We're doing we it live. We are, in fact doing it live let me and our chat is our chat is very boring right now apparently when we don't get the periscope stream we uh we don't get a lot of viewers oops uh well we did we did get uh vic was popping in and saying holla and then uh saying on fire yas tim so there was that (laughs) by the way i'm gonna start calling the uh, la county board of supervisors the five little yas queens That's very fitting. All right. uh, The audio that we're going to, so we're going to play this video. The audio will be going out on the stream and being recorded, but uh, you and I, Bushido, will not hear it for a moment. So just give me a sec. Trying to step back and the PBs seem to have like rushed or something. And I just know that I got hit in the head and my my phone flew out of my hand and I started yelling like, I'm press, I'm press. And then they were just kind of like all over there pushing, but then because I, maybe because I was yelling, I'm pressed. I don't know. They kind of just moved around me. Yeah. And um, then I like felt my ear and I felt it go like, and I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I, um, hey, you got your shoe. 
Who are you hitting? Who, who was it? A cop? Was it? Um, I'm pretty sure it was a Proud Boy. Proud Boy. It was Proud Boy. There were no cops were around no at the time. Okay. It was Proud Boys, me, anti-fascists. Can, can can you turn your your yeah, yeah, ear yeah. to the side? Did you get uh, help from a medic? Was that from I medic? did. Yeah, I got help from a street medic. This is so bizarre. Yeah. This is so. Yes. This is weird. You're a getting lot of media. you're getting this a, lot a lot of media. This yes. is a lot. Yes. Yes. Um, well, we're pressed. We stick we stick together. Yeah, we stick together. So. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, it was. I realized it was bleeding, and I was like, I need a medic, but also I need to find my phone. And a proud boy medic pulled up and he was like oh we can help you we can help you and I was like well I have to find my phone and he goes is this your phone and you just like found a phone and I was like oh that's not and then I found it on a sidewalk and uh, and this is the phone this is the phone in question Wow. And are you aware there are reports of maybe another couple people being stabbed tonight by Proud Boys? I have heard that there were a couple. I also saw a Proud Boy with what looked like uh, and like one of those like expandable mm-hmm. knives. Um, like he was like closing it, mm-hmm. and it had like a camouflage thing. I may have gotten footage of it. Um, okay. Wow. But yeah, I am aware of that. And as far as I know, like the people I know seem to be safe. But How is your ear doing now? Um, if I move my jaw, it crinkles. It's fine. Could it's, have been much worse. This am I is right? this is one of the hazards of this job. This is what we sign up for. You yeah. Know? yeah. Wow. So kind of a kind of a hard cut there because of the two minute and twenty second limit on uh, Twitter videos. But Talia is doing okay, um, and she's she's safe. Uh, no worse for the wear. Fortunately, uh, probably the ear will heal heal up pretty good. But this is a level of violence that we're not used to seeing, and this is a level of violence that can very easily escalate. You know, if somebody had a gun last night instead of uh, just knives, things will get very different. And seeing, you know, the thing is. Once you can get away with that type of violence, you're not going to de-escalate on your own. Like the Proud Boys aren't going to be like, oh, our ultimate goal is just to like stab a couple of people. No, no. The read they get from that is, oh, we can get away with more. We can push the envelope. We can go farther and still be safe. So, you know, not like, you know, as the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy tells us, you know, everyone has paranoia. That's just a general existential like thing that we all deal with. But like, be really careful out there. This this is going yeah. to be a dangerous situation it's going to continue to be it's it's hard if you want to get involved you want to be on the street be safe know who you're going out there with have a have a medic kit with you you know just a basic first aid kit know some basic first aid go take a cpr course like learn how to do cpr how to bandage a wound how to get somebody to the next level of definitive care know where the medics are know how to coordinate and talk to people know how to call a lawyer if you get arrested Uh, another tip i give people and i'm going to re-up this one it's one i've picked up from veterans uh write not just the name not just the phone number of a lawyer because they're not going to give you your phone if you get arrested right they're not going to give you your phone and be like hey you can have this back to like call your friends and let them know you're safe uh write in sharpie the the number of a lawyer or somebody who's not at the action that you can call as well as your blood type uh that could save your life so know your blood type it helps to be able to provide that to first responders and to emergency rooms they will still probably run a blood test on you just to be sure but if things are really hectic and it is a triage situation and a lot of people are hurt knowing your what your blood type is on scene could save your life and um yeah just be safe out there be careful if this was easy, we wouldn't have the problems that we're having. Like if the fight for civil rights and equality was easy, we would have already solved this and we've still got a long way to go. So, um, you know, it's 
the medic part of my mind just wants everyone to get home safe. That's really that's all I want at the end of the day. Well, uh, right. fortunately, we we have we have won some things in recent times. Uh, there's the it's it's good to see that the L.A. Times uh, is finally starting to pay some attention to what actually went down with the uh, city council race for District Four. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring things to a much lighter uh, tone. Uh, compared to what we've been dealing with uh, with the Proud Boys in D.C. and the absolute fucking riots that they're running on the streets. Uh, yep. This this is fun. There's a little... Riot uh, at the ballot box. There's a riot at the ballot box indeed. Uh, there's actually quite a good little uh, visual toy to play around with on the L.A. Times website for this. Uh, I think it might still be accessible even if you cancel your subscription uh, which many people are seeming to do right now and are thoroughly justified in dis- in doing that because holy shit, LA Times. Um, but yeah, so the you know we know that Nithia won. Uh, she she beat Rue by uh, over seven thousand votes at this point. Um, and here's this is what is running in today's LA Times on page B three. Uh, I think I'm gonna go pick up a copy. Uh, yeah. Bushido, they also, are you they- planning? Well, they, they published this a couple days earlier just online, so now it's officially in print. But one thing I want to flag yep. is, um, why is, uh, why is Nithia red? I, I remember seeing the color blue uh, signs at the end of the, uh, at the end of that race and they were, uh, they were MAGA red. So the LA yep. times is definitely, uh, making some choices here. They're making some choices. They could have picked colors that aren't associated with political power, or like political parties in this country. So they made yeah, a very and- conscious choice here. Yeah, they also um, let, let's just go through this. So they they this this is a the higher or the the tighter shot of this rather than the full page uh, from section B of the paper, uh, showing you where the support was. Uh, points out that wealthier precincts in Hollywood and Hancock Park voted for Rue. Um, Nithya gained large margins in Hollywood and Los Feliz and areas uh, specifically where people are making less than $60,000 a year. So uh, quote from the LA Times, Rama's strongest support came from the east side of the district in dense neighborhoods of Los Feliz and Hollywood. She also claimed 58% of the vote in precincts where most households make less than $60,000 a year. Rue, who became the first Korean American member of the council in 2015, won the precincts where Asian Americans make up the largest share of the population. He also found strong support from high-income areas in Hancock Park and Hollywood Hills, but not enough to hold his seat. An yeah, the Hancock f- Park results was like my one big question mark. Yeah, so uh, here's a fun one here. Uh, Koreatown, uh, you know, David Rue being Korea, Korean, uh, you would expect that there would be some support for him in K-Town, but I think that the folks from K-Town for All uh, and all of the other activist groups in the K-Town area made a pretty big dent because you can actually see that little, that, that, that chunk of, uh, of the precincts that are closest to K-Town uh, went for Nithia. They did not go for Rue, uh, which is pretty cool. So, uh, I mean, one of them went for Rue, but like two of the other, two of the three of them or two of the, yeah, at least two of them. But my point is that... Yeah. They they point out that uh, Rue won over Asian Americans and then simultaneously erase the fact that Nithya is herself Asian American. Uh, Where is they, the subcontinent, it, Chris? Apparently, no one in LA knows. Uh, it's 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 fucking wild. Uh, so 
there, there's lots of problems with what the LA Times has been doing on all of these things. I like that their data visualization people are pretty good. Uh, I think I'm going to guess it was one of their part of their editorial board that made that decision about the color scheme. Uh, judging by the fact that they are holy shit off the rails lately. No, they, the um, first time the first time I looked at that map, I, I read the colors backwards, and I was like, oh, that's that's weird. The Nithia won all these yeah. rich areas, and I had to look at the little slider and be like, oh no, they oh they what why why would you do that? It was intentionally confusing. It's intentionally confusing. Sorry, it's fucking it's just wild. Like, it, bad bad data visualization just really really fucking irks me. Um, but. Yeah. We've been getting some really cool press for ground game we out of have. this, which like is dope. And like, uh, it, let's let's talk about like so Megan Troy and Jessica Salins, two of the board members and co-founders of Ground Game LA, who both had to yep. step away for about the year and a half this election was run, uh, were the co-campaign managers, which is a a novel yep. way to run a campaign. Usually there is one manager. It was a pretty cool, unique experiment. It worked out really well. Um, but Megan has been doing some some really good press. Yeah, so Libby Denkman was covering this story along with um, other progressive wins across L.A. County. Um, but specifically, she got a quote from Megan uh, saying, quote, we have a moment between campaigns to dig into the roots of our work, training people to become organizers and to build power for their neighborhoods and for themselves, end quote. And frankly, I can't think of a better, more clear synopsis of what it is that we as an organization do. And... Uh, yeah. yeah, we love you, Megan. <laughs> yeah, and also it's, it was it's, her birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Megan. Um, happy and it's, birthday, it's, Megan. You know, it's it's one thing. Like honestly, we keep harping on this, but it's fucking amazing, and it's not just like we want everyone to think we're like the biggest, coolest organizers on the planet. But to overturn a incumbent city council member in the city with the most powerful, most highly paid council members and the least accountable council members in the entire country in only three and a half years. Uh, is fucking nuts. Uh, I think John Motter did a little bit of like light math and found that uh, David Rue was spending like seventeen dollars a vote and Nithya was spending like four fifty a vote. You know, like Ooh. we're definitely the budget option for winning elections in this city. So just keep there that in go. mind. You want to donate to someone? We'll make your dollar go a hell of a lot farther. We are, with a lot we are better the fiscally result. irresponsible solution for winning campaigns in L.A. County. Now speaking of. <laughs> fiscally irresponsible campaigns in L.A. County. Let's talk about the sheriff. Dr. Sheriff Alex Villanueva is not making any friends in the L.A. County Board of Supervisors or the coroner's office or the public. Nope. Uh, yeah, we've, we've gone from check the sheriff to remove the sheriff. And let's, uh, let's talk about 100%. another reason why. Uh, so I'm just going to read a little bit of this from the L.A. Times because it really is useful to, to include this context when we're talking about just like how like how out of bounds this behavior from the sheriff really is like how outside of the norm of what people would expect from like a person in this kind of a position of authority uh it's absolutely fucking wild like the the killing of andres guardado by uh sheriff's deputies is just insane um but uh, yeah i'll just read yeah. <clears throat> Quote, but the inquest for the, the first of its kind in nearly 30 years will allow the coroner's office to subpoena witnesses and present documents to an independent hearing officer who will, quote, make findings related to the cause and manner of death, end quote, according to a statement issued by the agency. Continues. 
The Department of Medical Examiner Coroner is committed to transparency in providing the residents of Los Angeles County an independent assessment of its findings in this case, Chief Medical Examiner Coroner Jonathan Lucas said in a statement, continues, and in an inquest ensures that our residents will have an independent review of all the evidence and findings of our office and of the cause and manner of death of Mr. Guardado, end quote. The move marks the second time the coroner's office has taken an unusual step in reviewing the shooting. When Lucas made the autopsy findings public in July, the decision infuriated County Sheriff Alex Villanueva, who had placed a quote-unquote security hold on the findings to block them from public view. But a private autopsy made public by Guardado's family, which was repeatedly acu- which has repeatedly accused the sheriff's department of unjustly killing the man, reached the same conclusion days earlier. And Lucas decided to make the autopsy finding public in the interest of transparency. So this leads right up into uh, they're still up on their bullshit because uh, just, what, three days after? So this, this article came out on November 10th uh, that I was just reading from, and it's specifically about Andres Guardado. But the sheriffs are up to their same bullshit again because this was on November 13th. LA Times posted another story. Uh, And let me read a bit from that one. Quote, a Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department homicide detective quietly approached a superior court judge late last month with an unusual request. He wanted the judge to bar the county's coroner from releasing the autopsy report on a man killed by sheriff's deputies. In normal times, a judge would have had no reason to get involved. The Office of the Medical Examiner Coroner had always kept reports secret whenever investigators from the Sheriff's Department or any other police agency asked. But these are not normal times in L.A. County, where Sheriff Alex Villanueva yep. is locked in an increasingly hostile power struggle with county officials who accuse him of undoing critical reforms, shunning transparency, and rebuffing efforts to hold him accountable. The friction has spilled over in recent months to the Office of the Medical Examiner Coroner, where senior staffers have made it clear that the old rules no longer apply when it comes to killings by sheriff's deputies. Fuck yes. The judge signed off on the gag order, setting in motion a legal tussle that has further isolated the sheriff from other county leaders and deepened the feud with the coroner. And there's more to it, Bushido. From what you were telling me earlier, that judge was immediately overruled in their decision to issue that gag order by another judge who was like, nah, y'all can't do that bullshit. So... Yeah. (laughs) It it, it was like... And the judge is like don't generally do that to each other. But the the judge, the second judge was like, I don't know why this first judge signed this. This is all completely out of order. And there was no reason for uh, Detective Marks, which, by the way, the most inappropriately named L.A. Sheriff's Department employee in the history of L.A. <laughs> Sheriff's Department employees. Like, if your last name is Marks, I feel like you've just you've been born into a certain line of critical analysis and you should you should do that name proud. Should don't, um, but yeah. So the uh, so that 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 kind of wraps up for the the sheriff uh, for the moment. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking and, about him more soon. And the the LA County Board voted three to two to explore ways to remove him, including up to and including changing the county charter. Uh, Janice Hahn was the kind of swing vote on that one. Um, she it looks like is going to be a little bit resistant to this, but the rest of the board, including outgoing um, Mark Ridley Thomas, are in favor of doing this. Uh, Mark Ridley Thomas is about to be replaced by Holly Mitchell, so I don't think we're going to see any slowdown in the momentum there. Um, Measure J is a reality. Uh, Sheriff Alex Villanueva is getting ready to be removed from office, and that's great. The one thing I'll caution against is if the L.A. County Board wants to make the sheriff an appointed position that removes our power as yes. the citizens to have some say in who our sheriff is. And I don't think 
that the option is to keep voting for new sheriffs. The point is to renovate this office from the roots up because it is rotten from the core. The entire sheriff's department needs to be redone from the ground up. We can no longer have every officer starting in prisons. We cannot not have this many prisons. We cannot have this many prisoners. There's a lot of huge structural changes to be made, but we are finally chipping away at that facade. And Mm -hmm. I, I think within a generation or two, L.A. County will no longer, hopefully, hopefully, will no longer be the mass incarceration capital of the world. Uh, but yeah, let's talk I, about some here's other to cop. Here's for that. Yeah, let's talk about some other cop bullshit. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, I think that Alex Villanueva is still very popular with his deputies, mainly because uh, they uh, largely support Trump, and Villanueva has largely put yeah. himself in a position of acting like he is the Trump of L.A. County. And so... Uh, it kind of fits together, but uh, it doesn't appear that Chief Moore is enjoying the kind, the same kind of, you know, ground uh, groundswell of support from within the uh, the ranks of his uh, his boys in blue as uh, the boys in khaki give to their 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 fun doctor sheriff Alex Villanueva. Uh, the, some one someone within the L.A. The Los Angeles Police Protective League apparently decided to leak this shit to Bill fucking Malugan from Fox well, LA. And, and when we say leak, like nobody leaks to Bill. <laughs> they they are feeding him a story. You know, it's yeah, not absolutely. like they, they sent it to him anonymously. Like his buddies at LAPPO were like, push this out. And they chose so, some very uh, weird stuff to push out. Yeah. So they, they uh, released this survey that basically says that the cops all hate their boss. Um, and that they all want to retire early, which is just like, whoa, wait a minute. They're just like regular workers. They hate their boss and they want to retire early. Uh, shocking results. Um, but I, I mean, also same... one thing I, one thing I'm going to flag Go... is, is, uh, this survey only covered 20 per seven, 20 per 27% of LAPD officers. So 73% of LAPPL affiliated LAPD officers did not even respond to this this survey. So we're talking about a minority of LAPD officers, but who are apparently pissed off enough to go public with this. Very pissed off. So uh, yeah, they they hate their job and they should all quit, which is you know works for me. Um, but there was there was one interesting little detail that did also come out. Uh, something about the types of protests that they are equipped to handle and the types of protests that they will struggle to handle. Uh, Bushido, can you fill us in a little bit on what what that was all about? So uh, LAPD, and this is like, this is one reason why like Bill is, is my favorite useful idiot on the planet is he just provides so many fascinating facts for us. So like LAPD uh, put out in their survey uh, that they could handle a 10,000 person protest. That's fine. They can handle that. It's good. What they can't handle is 10, 1,000 person protests. So um, when planning your next action, just keep that in mind. (laughs) Uh, It's also worth pointing out that this is also coming in the context of the LAPD being in charge of their own quote unquote defunding, uh, where they're getting to determine what is going to be which which uh, units are going to be minimized, which ones are going to continue to persist. Apparently, they think that traffic patrols uh, are continued patrols rather are just where where the efforts need to be uh, upheld. They are yeah. systematically removing investment from the types of divisions and specialty groups that actually do sometimes some do some useful like uh, investigative work, stuff. investigations. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they're removing uh, detectives from uh, homicide and robbery and other types of investigations to put Sexual them on the street. Assault. And here's the thing: like, if we're gonna have cops for a bit, 
I, I'm more okay paying for a detective who's investigating things after the fact and like trying to figure out what's going on. Like those aren't the cops that are out there shooting people and killing people. It's the patrol Correct. officers that present yep. a mortal threat to us on the daily basis. Yep. So like yep. when I called LAPD's West Traffic Division and I'm talking to a traffic detective, yes, we do need people to investigate this shit. Like, yes, we do need people who look into crimes after the fact to figure out what happened. Those are useful. Taking those detectives away means that LAPD doesn't care that people are getting murdered and doesn't want to clear those, even though, and their clearance rate, by the way, on homicides is like less than 20%. Like, they suck at solving crimes. But doing away with the detectives in favor of patrol officers is just going to result in more violence on the streets. Absolutely. So, uh, that, yeah, cops, bad. Problem well, and also they are heat. they are giving up some of their helicopters. And as Hayes Davenport pointed out on his new fantabulous blog, by the way, go read Hayes's blog. Like it's so good. But like now, some LAPD officer is going to have to drag some of the helicopters behind the shed and you know shoot them old Yeller style. So <laughs> you know it, it's a sad it's a sad day. But we got to save money where we can, folks. So let's uh let's talk about some happy Wild. stuff before we roll out. Yeah, uh, Latu and Olympics had a really dope fundraiser. It was funny as hell. There was some very some very experimental videos. Like I was not prepared for that logging on, but uh, it was fun. I was very, very happy. I got the, I bought the ticket. Yeah. So Sarah Squirm helped uh, No Olympics raise over eleven thousand dollars for uh, the Los Angeles Tenants Union's Food Not Rent program. Um, I believe most of this funding is going to things like eviction defense um, and and covering legal costs and and helping to fight to keep people in their homes. Uh, it's not actually paying for their food. Uh, that's what other organizations like Mutual Aid LA are there to do. Yep. And we'll, we'll re-up that again here at the end of the show. But yeah. uh, great to see that uh, Sarah Squirm was able to help out and the Olympics. Uh, just amazing talents across the board from yeah. all of these people. Uh, you love to see I, it. It's fucking dope. I do want... I do want to flag uh, eviction protections in the state of California that were put in place by AB 3088 and signed by Gavin Newsom expire in January. Evictions can begin in February. Uh, tenants are required by January 1st to pay 30% of their rent between September and January. So September, October, Jesus. November, December, you have to pay at least 30% of that. The rest of your rent would become uh, would be converted into consumer debt. So your landlord could still sue you to recoup it, but they could not evict you, but they could garnish your wages and other stuff like that. So our eviction prote our eviction protections suck. Our tenant protections suck. Most of the tenant protections passed by the state and by the cities are protections for landlords and their profits, not for tenants. So this is still a long fight, long fight. Yep. We have not seen the pain really hit. It will be hitting next year. And that's really yep. what's scaring me about the Biden presidency is that's when the economy is going to hit the skids. And who's yep. going to take the blame for that? Well, the Democrats. Democrats. So they also, they kind of deserve it, but just like, it's going to be a long fight to 2022. So I'm saying this yep. to like, don't think we can all take a nap yet. We still got a long, long way to go. Like get that turkey Absolutely. in you, take a nice little nap for a couple of days and then like get up ready to fight. Absolutely. And speaking so, of fighting, there's stuff going on today. There, there, there is. But before we get into the fighting, this was, um, this was something that that was uh, actually quote tweeted in the in the post about the thing that's going on today in oh. two hours that we're going to mention here. But this was just so beautiful. I wanted to share it. So uh, this is when two Los Angeles Tenants Union uh, associate, I believe it's it's members of the union. I don't think that this tw tweet is 100% correct in its verbiage, uh, realized that they have the same landlord, so they held a meeting to strategize how to stop his harassment and stay put. Uh, that is fucking dope. When people who are neighbors or who are in 
units that are owned by the same or in, in buildings that are owned by the same landlord, when they realize that they have that kind of a connection and they can start building uh, inter-neighbor solidarity or inter-building solidarity to do to come together and organize and fight and win and actually protect each other, that is what this is all about. And that is how we win. Uh, and you just, you literally love to see it. So I just wanted to yeah. share that because I thought it was really dope. But speaking of things that are going on, there is a rally in March today, Sunday, November 15th at 3.30 p.m., meeting at Seoul International Park at the corner of Arolo and San Marino. That is over in K-Town. Uh, K3 Holdings is yet again attempting to displace longtime Latinx tenants using illegal threats of eviction. Show up to support your neighbors. This is a call to end harassment and end displacement. This is what Latu does. Latu needs your support. If you've got the time and the energy, please, please, please do show up. It's two hours from now. Again, on the corner of Irolo and San Marino. Uh, we're going to flag this again, uh, re-up it on all of the social media because that's kind of what we do these days. Um, but yeah, that, that, that wraps it up for the Latu updates here. Uh, we've yep. got a couple of other things coming up, though, that are going to be really dope, and you should check them out. Uh, our friends over uh, at LA Pod uh, are working together with K-Town for All to do a fundraiser for Theo Henderson. So Yay. Theo Henderson's birthday was uh, the was actually on Halloween or the night before Halloween. Uh, there was attempted they they tried to get a fundraiser going to, to, for him uh, the week before that, but they ran into some technical difficulties. Things didn't quite pan out. Um, but here we go. Uh, the LA Geo uh, I can't even fucking say that, dude. Uh, uh, what, what do they call it? They say, what is LA geo pod E because, uh, that's a, God, look, I love spoonerisms hard. and I, I love spoonerisms <laughs> and I love playing with words, but that one's a mouthful. You know, it's <laughs> it like, really that's is. why I say, that's why I say turmeric and not turmeric. It's just more, more work to say it correctly. And I'm yep. just too lazy. I get it. So yeah, this is the trivia fundraiser. It's happening Sunday, November 22nd, 6 30 PM. Uh, uh, RSVP over at ktownforall.org slash Theo. Uh, they're going to be having Hayes Davenport, uh, Alyssa Walker, Scott Frazier, all from the LA podcast going head to head, uh, playing Jeopardy uh, on stream. And it should be fucking dope. I'm excited to, yeah. to, to watch that. Uh, it should be fantastic. Um, and yeah, I think that pretty much wraps all of this up. We've got, I'll be back here tomorrow morning or not tomorrow, Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. What day is it? What day is it? Uh, I'll be Time back on Tuesday. <laughs> I'll be back here on Tuesday morning, uh, live tweeting the LA city council meeting. Once again, uh, I was out of town last weekend. Thank you for bearing with. I understand that Alex did a wonderful job, uh, so, you know, training up my replacement, uh, on Wednesday. I don't know if we're going to be covering it. Uh, I will be busy and I don't think Alex will be able to hop in, but maybe we'll be able to find somebody else to step in yeah. and give it a shot. Uh, we also do on Wednesday night have our weekly or bi-weekly. We haven't really figured it out yet. Uh, Knock at night. We'll be doing that live show. It should be dope. It always is. Please tune in for that. Uh, starts at eight, runs till about nine, nine thirty. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. And then we should really be flagging for everybody here that Mutual LA, Mutual Aid LA uh, is still in existence. Um, and it looks like we're going to be needing that in that system and that support more than ever uh, coming up here in the next couple of months. Because uh, as you flagged at the top of the show, Bushido, we are very much looking like we're going to be going into a second lockdown. Um, this and is we going need to be to. A, like, honestly, like we, we have to. It's not just like, oh, capriciously, we're going to do this. We fucking no. need to do it. 
We it do, sucks. and 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 we're we're looking at uh, you know this is now on top of the fact that people have been unemployed for the last seven, eight months, nine months, uh, and and it's it's bleak. Uh, please uh, spread the word, chip in what you can. Uh, mutual aid is how we win, yeah. uh, or how we uh, support mutual each aid. Other. Mutualaid.org. You can go there to either sign up as a volunteer, sign up to get help, or to make a donation. It really, like every dollar helps. Every dollar helps a lot. So if you can give something, please do. If you need help, reach out. Uh, it's it's mutualaidla.org, right? Yes, mutualaidla.org. Yes, wonderful. Um, oh, yeah. And then so also we have our weekly ground game meetings. Uh, we still have those. They are a thing. Yeah. Uh, Thursdays at 730 p.m. Hit us up. We're easy to find. You can get all the information you want over on uh, Twitter's uh, at, at Ground Game LA. Uh, you can also find Ground Game on Instagram at Ground Game LA. You can find me and Bushido at Christopher Roth at Bushido Squirrel. We're easy to find. We do not block DMs unless you're a fascist. Um, And so, as always, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in publicizing or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page uh, or any of the social media things. This is what we do. It's, it's, It's the lockdown new era not the before times. This podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. You can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. And you can, of course, check the description of this podcast for sources, links to action, social media links, etc. cetera. Uh, that wraps it up for me. Bushido, you got anything to close us out with? Look, we, it, it, we're entering a period of time where stuff is very unsettled, and uh, the the last couple decades of American hypercapitalism have been spinning us into a situation where the center cannot hold. So remember, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Thank you all. Stay safe out Thank there. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Bye.